for that to come up here. But, uh, whoops. Yeah, there we go. Good, good. All right, we want to continue with our looking at Acts. Uh, we looked at uh, who were the people Paul proclaimed the gospel to uh, from verse 16 through verse 22. And we want to look now in verse uh, 23 through verse 31. Who was the God Paul proclaimed to the people? Uh, Japan is like Athens. They worship idols. They do not know about the true God. And so Paul uh, told them, you know, it's not enough to convince somebody that their gods are false. Uh, they must know the true God. And so Paul did four things. He, first of all, he told them about their wrong view of God. And then secondly, uh, he told them who the true God is. And then he told them who we are in regards to God. And then finally, he told them what God demands in light of who he is and who we are. And so uh, we're not going to read the passages, but it just, if you could just note that. Uh, in verse 22 through 23, Paul, first of all, uh, talks about, uh, I'm sorry, he, he told them about their wrong view of God. He said, you are su you're too superstitious. Uh, that word that he used, uh, that you fear demons or fear uh, supernatural spirits. And so they were too superstitious. They were fearing that which they should not have feared. Uh, you know, the, like I mentioned a while ago, the Japanese, uh, their gods are all, the Shinto gods are all fierce looking. They are all, uh, you, you don't go in and say, oh my God, this, my God loves me. You know, they say, my, I'm, I'm afraid of my God. I hope he doesn't do anything bad to me. That's the, that's the gods that they are. And so they were fearing their gods. And so uh, Paul said, you're fearing the wrong God. You know, the Bible says to fear the, fear the Lord, but um, in, a, in a different way. And so they were fearing that, which they should not have feared. So most religions are, you know, trying to appease their gods to say, you know, so they won't do anything bad to them. Um, my dad, you know, he was uh, talking to a guy one time and he said, uh, um, we, we, we believe in the one single true and living God. And the guy said, that's dangerous. And dad, what, what do you mean by that? And he goes, well, you know, if your God is strong in fire, he can protect you from fire. But what if he's weak in water? And so you'll, you'll drown or whatever. So you got to worship the God of the fire and the God of water and the God of this and that. And the other. All these gods, because it'll cover all your bases, you know. But our God is, uh, is an omnipotent God, and so you know, we don't have to fear uh, him in that way. And then Paul said, uh, you are worshiping idols. Uh, the, the devotions is referring to the idols that they're worshiping. He says they, they were worshiping that which they should not have worshipped. They were worshiping something that was not worthy of their worship. You know, worth, worship comes from uh, Latin, I think it was, it says, uh, it means worship, you know. Uh, they're, they're giving worth to something that was not worth giving, and they were not giving worth to God who is worthy. Uh, in the, the Ten Commandments, God said, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any likeness of anything in heaven above or in earth beneath, nor that was in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. And so God commanded us to worship him only, and not to worship uh, these things. And so uh, they were worshiping that, they were giving worth to that which was not worthy of the worship, and at the same time, they were not worshiping that which was worth it, worthy of worship. God is worthy of our worship. And then he said, uh, you are ignorant about this God. He said, to the, they had the inscription, to the unknown God. Uh, they, and they were proclaiming that they didn't know uh, that God, and they didn't know the God that they should have known. God requires that all people uh, under, know who he is. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says, 
Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shewed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. When somebody says, I didn't know, then God would say they're without excuse. God gives ample evidence in his world, in his word, and in his wisdom that he's placed within us, and so they were without excuse. And so uh, they did not know the God that they should have known. Uh, it is not an excuse. That's why it says they are without excuse. I love the Japanese, I don't know, it means nothing to you, but you uh, know, it's a cool way of saying something in Japanese. It's, a, it's an unusual way. Um, I don't know, there's just a couple of cool, uh, that means nothing to you, but it's a, it's a unique way of saying that they're without excuse, they're excuseless, you know. And uh, even in this, you know, it's, they're without excuse. There is no excuse, there's no, you know, oh, you know, because, they, oh, okay, you know. There's no okay, okay? They are required. God requires knowledge of himself from everyone, and they will be held accountable for that. And so uh, they didn't know God who they should have known. And then they worshiped ignorantly in an ignorant manner also. They didn't treat God as though uh, they understood his character, who he was, uh, whom therefore you worship ignorantly. Uh, they worshiped in a way they shouldn't have worshipped. Uh, their attitude and action was not in accord to God's true nature. God is not a rock, okay? and uh, God doesn't uh, need us to bring him flowers or water or rice wine or anything like that. Okay? And so they didn't understand the true nature of God in their worship, and so they worshipped him wrongly. Uh, one cannot properly attribute worth to that worth they do not properly know. And so uh, Luke 18, 11 says, uh, The Pharisees stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank that I'm not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican. But da, da, da. You know the story. How the, the Pharisee went to the, the temple to pray, and he said, God, I, you know. And in his prayer, he revealed that he, even though he said he would, be, he would have said that he was worshiping Jehovah God, the you know, creator God, and all that sort of stuff, he didn't, he, his prayer revealed that he didn't know who God was. He was worshiping ignorantly. And then uh, the publican who knew who God was beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he was he answered. His, his prayer was answered, and the other was not. And so uh, they worshiped God in a way that was inconsistent with who he is. And so we are there to tell them that. And so first of all, Paul said, uh, Paul told them who the wrong view of God. He said, you, you don't understand who God is. You know? These idols that you serve, they're not gods. They're not true gods. And then Paul went on to tell them who the true God is. He said, let me tell you who the true God is. And he gives a whole list of things. In, uh, he said, him declare unto you. We're tell him about the true God. In verse 24 through 29, he gives him a whole list of things. He, first of all, he said, God is the creator of the cosmos. God created the universe. He created the world and all things. A God that made the world and all things therein. So that's where he started, and that's where we usually have to start in Japan, too, because uh, they don't know anything about a creator God. Uh, they believe in evolution because Americans, after the war, put it in their textbooks, and so they believe in evolution. And there's, no, there's a disconnect. You know, we connect, uh, as Christians, we connect God to creation, and God is a creator. God can't be God if he didn't create. There's no such thing as a God who didn't, isn't connected in, uh, with creation of the universe. But to them, it's two separate things, you know. The world happened by happenstance, and 
they worship gods. Well, then where do these gods come from? But again, they don't think about that. They just want to worship something and have this worshipful feeling, and so they worship man's creation. Okay, so, but so Paul started out, God is the God who created everything. He's the creator God. And so he told them uh, he's the creator God. And they told him he's the Lord. He's Lord of the universe, of heaven and earth. He's Lord of heaven and earth. God is in charge. God is over everything. God is not under anyone, and God is over everyone. Uh, like I said a while ago, the Japanese have a, a hierarchy of gods, and their gods are not omnipotent. None of their gods are all-powerful, and so they have certain strengths and certain characteristics, and so they worship from, for certain uh, things. Uh, they have the god of this and the god of that, and there's a bunch of different things. Uh, I, had a, I heard an interview on a TV one time. This uh, lady was interviewing somebody that had created these two new gods, and uh, they, it was the god of love and the god of prosperity, and they were having a festival, and in Japan, when they have this, they, it, it's all commercial. You know, they make this, this temple, and you can go, and you can give money, and you can buy these little protection pouches and little mascots and things like that. And uh, they were all, oh, it's so wonderful, these new guys. You know, the, the lady was interviewing, you know, how do you, what do you think? Oh, it's wonderful. You know? And I'm thinking, uh, maybe the lady should ask, well, where, where do these gods come from? You know, did these gods just now pop into existence? If so, you know, how did that happen? Uh, if they've existed all this time, but you just found out about him. How did you just find out about him? I mean, nothing like that. No, no question like that whatsoever, um, which they should. You know, they, said they should tie that creation into the guy. But, so Paul said, God is the creator. He's the Lord of the universe. And then he went on to say that God is omnipresent. The true and living God is omnipresent. You look around and see all these idols that they worship, and they had to come to where their idols were. And their temples, they were full of temples. Uh, as I said, Japan has like 80,000 Buddhist temples and about that many Shinto shrines. But if you want to worship your God, you've got to go there. Uh, sometimes we'll get a call to the church, and we'll, they'll say, we want to come to pray at church. I said, well, if you're praying to the true God, you don't need to come to church to pray, you know, because uh, God's not here. He's everywhere. And, uh, but most of the time, it, it always turns out. You know, and I always say, you know, we don't give money. We don't ever, for any circumstance, give out money, you know, because that's usually what they want. So they oh, no, I just want to pray. So, okay, come on. And so I'll open the church, and they'll come in. And actually, <laughs> it's like, it's always some, I need money or something like that. But... Uh, you don't have to go, you know, there's no particular place, but the false gods, you've got to go to the temple where they're at to pray. And so God is omnipresent, Paul said, uh, dwelleth not in temples made by hands. God can't be limited to one place. He is omnipresent. And then he said God is immutable. Uh, God doesn't change depending on creation. Okay? He did, we don't change God at all. And so he said, neither is worshiped with man's hands. We, he doesn't need us for anything. And he doesn't, our worship for him doesn't make him God. It doesn't strengthen him. It doesn't do anything. Uh, he is the same no matter what we do or don't do. So he's immutable. His deity doesn't depend on man's worship. Then he said he is self-sufficient. He goes on to say uh, as though he needed anything. God doesn't need anything from us. You know, these Japanese gods, as I showed you, they have the little bibs they tie around their gods, and they have uh, little uh, hats or whatever they put on some of them, and they have to repair them. <laughs> one time I saw a, a head had fallen off one of the gods, and so they put some concrete on it, stuck it back on there. You know, they got to repair their gods and things like that. Uh, but God doesn't need us for anything. And then God is a life giver, Paul goes on to say. He giveth uh, to all life. Okay? And he is also the giver of life, but he's a sustainer of life. He giveth to all life and breath and all things. Everything that we need to sustain our life, God has provided for us. 
So God is a life giver, and he's also the sustainer. And then he goes on to say he's a creator of men. He not only created the cosmos, he created man, all men. All men are from the sin that God created Adam, have made of one blood all nations of men. So God created Adam and Eve, and God created man to procreate, and therefore uh, we exist, but it's all because of God. God is the uh, life giver and the sustainer. And then he said, God is sovereign. Our God is sovereign. He is sovereign over purpose. When he created us, he created us for a purpose and in a particular way. Uh, he said, he, uh, for to dwell on the face of the earth. So God created man to dwell on the earth. He created the earth for man to dwell. You know, I was, when I was young, I said, why did man, if man is the most important creation of God, why did he create them first? <laughs> and then I thought, oh, wait a minute. You know, God created us, uh, an environment in which they could live, and he created men to fit that environment. Okay? He created uh, plants who could produce oxygen, and they created us to, have, to need oxygen to breathe oxygen. God created all that. And so he created us to dwell on this earth. Uh, as Isaiah said, the Lord has created the heavens, and God himself formed the earth and made it. He established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. Okay? So God created, uh, and he is sovereign over the purpose of man. He is sovereign in our time. Uh, have determined the times before appointed. So God has determined uh, our times, when we were born, all the circumstances of our life. And God, not only the time, but also the place. Uh, and the bounds of their habitation. So God is sovereign even over where you were born, when you were born, uh, where you live, all that kind of stuff. God is sovereign. And then finally, he is sovereign uh, in our ultimate purpose. Uh, God has created us that we should seek him. Okay, that's the ultimate purpose that God created us for, to, to seek him, to have a relationship. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Ecclesiastes tells us the purpose of man. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. To have a relationship, a submissive relationship to God. And then he said he is Lord. He used that word again. He is the supreme authority uh, for they, that they should seek after the Lord. He's the only one to whom they are accountable. They're not accountable to any other gods or any other uh, deities. They're accountable to God, and they should be seeking after him. And then he goes on to say that God, the true God, is omnipresent, as uh, not far from every one of us. You know, how can that statement be true? He's not far from every one of us, which is true, because God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. God is not limited to a place. He is everywhere. And so he could say that. So Paul told them who the true God is. And then thirdly, Paul told them who we are in regards to God. God has created us for a purpose. And our fulfillment is tied up in God. You cannot fulfill the purpose for which you are created without a proper relationship with God. And so God created us for a purpose, and our fulfillment is tied up in him. For in him, it says, in him we live and move and exist and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. We are, we are created in a way that we have a relationship with him, and that is the ultimate purpose of life. God created us for his uh, relationship with him. And we cannot fulfill life. We cannot have a, su a successful or a meaningful life without a relationship with him. There is no fulfillment in life apart from him. And try all sorts of things to, to, to have that fulfillment, 
have that uh, satisfaction in their heart that they cannot have other, without a proper relationship with him. And then he said, God made us in his own image. We are his offspring, uh, for we are his offspring, for as much then as you are offspring of God. So God created us in his image. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let, us, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air, and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created him. In verse, nine of, uh, verse 6 of Genesis chapter 9, says the same thing. Uh, it says, uh, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by him shall his blood be shed for... By man shall his blood shed for the, in the image of God made he man. So God created us in his image. Therefore, he goes on to reason, if we are made by God in his likeness, it's foolishness to think that God could be nothing more than a man-made idol. You know, most idols are made in the statue of men. You know, there are some that are animals and all sorts of things, but most, in Japan especially, they're just made of, like, look like men. So men are creating gods in their image instead of Worshiping the God created us in his image. Um, Paul went on and says, uh, We ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone graven by the art of men's devices. You know, he was looking at these idols that were carved out and that people were worshiping. He said, you know, You're making your God in your image. God created us in his image so that we could have a relationship with him. So Paul told them who they were in regards to God. And then finally, Paul told them what God demands in light of who he is in verses 30 through 31. Uh, first of all, God commands and demands that we know him. Uh, for the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But, so God didn't, what does that mean? It means, you know, God doesn't immediately judge those who don't know him. He gives them time to come to know him, to look at the evidence. Um, in Romans chapter 1, Verse 19 and 20 says, because that, we, we read this verse, but it says, that which may be known of God is manifest in them. God has shooted unto them. And so they were without excuse. But God demands, first of all, that everyone know him. And to know him is eternal life. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they might know the, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And then he said, God commands, commands obedience. God has the right to command us, tell us what to do. It says, commandeth all men everywhere. Not commandeth those who follow him or Christians. God is uh, God of everyone. God is the only God, and he is, there's no one under which, uh, who is not under God, and there is no one over God, so we are all subject to God. We are all uh, commanded to obey him. We are all responsible to obey him. We will all stand before him and be judged uh, of whether we obeyed him. And then he commandeth repentance in uh, verse uh, uh, 31 says, uh, 30 says, command men everywhere to repent. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse seven, uh, 15 says, uh, saying, in the time was fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. So God commands men uh, to repent. Because there is a day that he will judge those who do not, who do not trust Christ as their Savior. He will judge. Uh, he will judge the world in righteousness. He will judge the world by Christ. There is a day of judgment, so we can either be judged for our sin because we trusted Christ and his uh, acceptance of our, our punishment of our sin on the cross, or we can pay for it ourselves, but there will be a day 
that God will judge. And he will judge in righteousness. You know, men, human judges are, even if they're the most well-intended people in the world, they don't know everything. And so, you know, a judge can say, well, as far as the evidence that I'm looking at, I judge this way. And he could be wrong because he doesn't know everything. There's some things that he doesn't know. But there's nothing God doesn't know. And so God will judge in righteousness. And then God will judge by Christ. Our relationship with Christ is what will be, our eternal life will be based upon. So he will judge by that man whom he hath appointed. Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. So God said there will be a judgment day. But he ends up, Paul ends up saying, uh, he giveth assurance to those who believe. Uh, he also, he, he hath given assurance. If you trust Christ as your Savior, he will forgive your sins and he will cleanse you and give you eternal life. And a guarantee of our salvation is Christ's resurrection. He goes on to say, he, whom he hath, he hath raised him from the dead. So Paul gives them hope. He ends with hope. Uh, God will be the judge. God will judge your sins. But if you trust Christ, he will give you eternal life and you can have salvation. So he ends his, uh, his talk with them uh, and tells them the way of eternal life. And so... Uh, in conclusion, as those who know God and have a proper relationship with Him, we have the responsibility to tell all men their wrong view of God. You know, we think that, uh, you know, those heathen are those people, you know, in Japan and China and Africa, things like that. I, I got news for you, the heathen are here, you know. I mean, most of this country is heathen, and so we need to tell them. They don't understand who God is. Many people, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I, I know God, you know. They have no idea who the true God is. They have, uh, you know, they're like that Pharisee. They, they maybe call God by the right name, but they don't have any idea of who the true God is because their actions reveal that. And so we need to tell them who the wrong view of God, and then we need to tell them who the true God is. And we need to tell them who we are in regards to God and then what God demands of us. Uh, so Paul's stir, spirit was stirred in him. He couldn't keep silent. He had this burden when he saw the people who were totally in ignorance and they were spending their life and were dying and going to hell thinking that they were right with God, thinking that their worship was giving them some kind of uh, good thing in the afterlife. And Paul said, no, 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 you don't know. And so Paul had the burden and he opened his mouth and spoke. So uh, today I, I hope you will look around you and see men's true condition and that your spirit will be stirred in you and you will open your mouth and witness to the truth among the ignorance in which we live. Let's close in prayer. Father, we do thank you for this time together. We thank you for the fact that you revealed your truth to us. Your Holy Spirit convicted us of our sin. Your Holy Spirit convicted us of the truth of the gospel. And we trusted you. We trusted the, the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ, and you gave us eternal life. We thank you so much for that, Father. But there are so many people around us in this country and across the world that do not know the true God. They do not know Christ. They do not know their, their own condition, the truth of their own condition. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to have a burden, as Paul did, to reach those around them that they see are ignorant about God. And I pray you'll help each of us to help people to understand their wrong view of God and help them to understand who the true God is and help them to understand who we are in relation, that we are sinners and then help them to understand that God has the solution. And I pray you would help us to be able to draw people to yourself. Give us a burden, and then give us the opportunity this week to be a witness for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.